You're listening to Small Talks in City Blocks, a podcast production of Women in Cities International. I'm Hannah McCasland. And I'm Bethy Malsion. We host conversations about gendered experiences of city life and the work being done to promote inclusive and equitable cities and communities for all. This week is International Anti-Street Harassment Week, so we're turning our attention towards women working to stop street harassment and gendered violence. We want to highlight the way women have been actively making public space safer and working to change the culture that enables this violence to happen. First up, we want to share our interview with Holly Curl. Holly founded the nonprofit organization Stop Street Harassment and conceived of International Anti-Street Harassment Week. We got to Skype Holly and talk with her about how she founded Stop Street Harassment, how we can tackle street harassment globally while still responding to the nuanced needs of each community, and she gave us a bunch of tips on how to organize and how to respond to street harassment as it happens to you. We loved her advice and we hope you find it helpful too. Um, So first off, Holly, could you explain to listeners the goals of your organization, Stop Street Harassment, um, why you were inspired to start this organization, and some of your goals um, and motivations for starting Anti-Street Harassment Week? Sure, yes. Um, Thank you so much for having me. The goals for Stop Street Harassment is is just to document the problem of gender-based street harassment in public spaces. Um, to provide a place for people to share their stories and to really change the conversation around this issue, which I think we've been successful at doing so far, um, and shifting it away from, you know, seeing it as like a minor annoyance, oh, it's a compliment, or oh, it's your fault because of what you're wearing, and really shifting that conversation to show, no, this is a human rights violation, it's a gender equality issue, it um, gravely affects Um, people's lives, particularly women and girls' lives, and it has a negative effect on our society. So those are really the goals uh, of Stop Street Harassment right now. Um, And and International Anti-Street Harassment Week has similar goals, um, just at a global scale. As I began doing research for my first book on street harassment, I started to find organization and groups all over the world working on this issue. And I thought, wow, there would really be a lot of power and strength if we could come together at the same time and amplify each other's voices at a global scale, while also taking actions locally to raise awareness around this issue. So this will be the seventh year um, of of that uh global action um, taking place. And I think that it it has um, had that effect every year. Wow. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, congratulations on the seventh year. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, so we wanted to ask a little bit in particular about Anti-Street Harassment Week. Um, so what was your kind of thought process in dreaming that up specifically as something that Stop Street Harassment was going to get involved with and also something that it's pretty easy for other organizations or just individuals to get involved with. I mean, I know um, last year Women in Cities um, produced a really cool video where one of our volunteers went around to different neighborhoods in Montreal and talked to all sorts of people about what street harassment meant to them. And I think that Anti-Street Harassment Week really helped um, to inspire people to do that and to give them kind of a platform to start advertising and raising awareness about the projects that they were doing individually. Um, So, yeah, what was your inspiration for thinking about the week? And also, do you have any kind of more advice for how other individuals can also start to use Anti-Street Harassment Week to start um, raising awareness or doing other projects against street harassment? 
I actually started the week International Anti-Street Harassment Week off as just a day the very first year. It was just one day and it was on the first day of spring. Um, I thought that would be a good media hook because um, street harassment tends to increase in the warmer months because people are outside, there's, you know, more daylight hours. Um, and it was a good hook. And so, um, I really only <laughs> thought up the idea a month ahead. So I had a month to sort of plan it and just, you know, encourage people to do whatever they wanted that day. So, um, a lot of people did fly, like handing out flyers or information. Um, in India, there was a big march through the streets of Delhi with people, you know, holding signs and banners. Um, People did uh, online actions as well. And the feedback from people who participated that year was that they would really like it to be a week so that there could be more opportunities to take action so that, you know, if they weren't available on that one day, like they have six other days, you know, to choose from. And so the next year it became International Anti-Street Harassment Week. So technically, I guess this is the sixth year of the week, but seventh year overall of, of organizing some type of action. And the idea um, behind the actions is that, you know, street harassment varies by community and the type of response that's going to work best varies by community. So it's not a top down approach of like telling people what to do, but rather we provide a list of ideas if people need ideas. But we just encourage people to do what they think will be best. Um, just do something around this issue that week. Um, and that's really all uh, is required. And um, so one of the most popular forms of action is sidewalk chalking. Um, and I really love that because it takes the action where a lot of street harassment happens on the actual streets. And it creates these messages that lots of people can see as they pass by. And it's pretty inexpensive to do. You just need even just one piece of chalk. And you can do it as one individual or get a group together um, and go out and do chalking. And so that's been particularly popular on university and college campuses, um, but groups all over the world, um, you know, ha have been utilizing that. So, um, you know, no action is too small. And, and really, even just sharing a story that week can be very powerful, um, especially with, with men who may not otherwise understand this issue. Um, so there's a whole range of ways to get involved. Um, so how have, I know you wrote a book actually specifically about um, kind of stopping global street harassment. And I was wondering if we could just talk about this a little bit. And I have a couple, I have a couple questions about it. So it's really important, I'm, I'm sure, to look at the differences um, in different contexts and what you were saying, different communities, even probably communities within the same um, town or state still experience street harassment very differently. Um, so how is Stop Street Harassment in your book kind of trying to navigate how it is a global problem and something that needs to be addressed widely, but also something that needs to be addressed with nuance? Um, and my other question is, how can we be sure, though, when we are talking about street harassment, um, to not kind of further problematic narratives. Um, I know that sometimes when we're talking about street harassment in different communities, it's sometimes I think in a North American context, there can be this narrative of, oh, it's way worse for women in different conservative countries, like that, you know, foreign countries or um, only a certain type of person uh, commits street harassment and maybe kind of perpetuating kind of racist narratives or classist narratives. Um, so yeah, I know those are two big questions that don't have any set answers, but yeah, how has Stop Street Harassment kind of been navigating that? 
Great questions and tough wins. Yeah. Um, so in my, in my third book, um, Stop Global Street Crassment, Growing Activism Around the World, it was basically a follow-up to the book that I had written in 2010. And this book came, this global one came out in 2015. And just so much had happened in the last five years globally. I mean, I, when I first started this work, like I pretty much knew everyone who was working on this issue and I would like interview them for my blog and I just cannot keep up with it anymore. There's so many um, people popping up all over who are starting organizations or groups or just projects. And so that's amazing. And so I just was really trying to document it more in this, in this book. Um, the book is, is definitely just more documenting, like this is what's happening. This is um, what it looks like in different parts of the world. But I do try to make the point in the beginning that the core issue is that um, no matter what country or what context, it's that this is about this issue is about power and control. And it's about inequality. It's about making someone feel unsafe in public spaces and feeling like they don't belong and making sure they feel like they don't belong. Um, and, and that manifestation may happen in different ways, but that's sort of the core issue that's happening. Um, and, you know, it really is connected to gender inequality. No country has achieved gender equality and no country ever will until women and girls have equal access to public spaces. Um, so I really have tried to frame it as a rights issue, um, as an equality issue. And, uh, and, you know, kind of have that be the base and then talk about the different ways that the manifestation of street harassment may vary um, by, by area. And then the, the response to it, the ways of trying to prevent it also then vary. Um, and I, th I think that you're right. There's a lot of misperceptions across countries about um, street cross. And I've talked to people in other countries who who had no idea that it happened at all, like in the U.S. or in Canada. Um, and then in the U.S., like I've talked to people who had no idea that it happened outside of our country. So I think one of the things I do try to um, make sure happens is that people know that this is happening everywhere. And I think if you recognize that and see that this is this global problem, um, I mean, in some ways it can feel more overwhelming, but I think in others it helps you feel more empowered to realize, wow, um, you know, I'm not alone in dealing with this. My community is not alone in dealing with this. Like this is something that is happening all over and we can come together and work on solutions. Um, but to your point, um, yes, in the, in the U.S. context, I definitely have heard um, people thinking like, oh, well, it's just certain countries where it's a problem. Um, you know, like, oh, it's a Latin America country or it's a Middle East, uh, you know, sorry, a, a Latin American problem or Middle East uh, problem. And if, you know, those men didn't treat their women so poorly, like they'd be safe in public spaces. But when you look at the statistics, um, <laughs> The statistics show that it's pretty much similar in every country as far as the rates of street harassment go. Um, it's it's usually at least 60%, if not 80% to 100%. Um, no country is at less than 60%. So it, it's you can look at the statistics as a way to sort of counterbalance that and show, no, this is a problem everywhere. Um, and one of the things that I like to do when people bring up racist um, comments about who are harassers uh, in the U.S. context, American campus, college campuses are primarily white. You know, most of them, are, it's, it's majority white people still going to college. And sexual harassment and violence is such a big problem on campus and off around it as well. And, you know, there's videos showing 
primarily white men in fraternities just standing there harassing women walking by. Um, and those are very privileged men, right? Ch typically, not all of them, but typically if you're going to university and you're white, you have uh, certain levels of privileges. And yet there they are treating women very poorly um, and engaging in, in harassment. And, you know, sexual violence is a huge problem on our college campuses, and it's, it's largely perpetrated by these white privileged men, young men. So, um, so I think that the best way to try to counterbalance stereotypes and false information is looking to statistics um, to, to show that that's not the full picture. Yeah, yeah. I, I thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate that because I was I was partly asking that question like, okay, what should I do if, if I see this happening or if I see people kind of um, perpetuating narratives that I think are, are racist when talking about these issues? So now, now I can say, well, if you look at the statistics, um, so that's a really good point. What do you think about you know, what can we maybe tell people since this is going to come out on Anti-Street Harassment Week? And as you said, um, that's the beginning of spring and that's a time when street harassment increases. Um, do you have any kind of strategies that stop street harassment or that you yourself kind of use personally or that you like to tell people? Or is there just any um, advice or anything that you would like to give the listeners? Sure. I think the number one thing to remember is that what happens is not your fault. Um, this is a global problem. It's happening everywhere. And it's it's not happening to you because of anything that you've said or done. And it can be so hard to let go of that victim blaming. I even sometimes still initially do that myself when I get harassed. I'm like, oh, why was I wearing this? Or why am I here by myself? And I'm like, no, like that's that's not what's going on here. Um, I should have the right to be anywhere. And I get harassed even when I'm wearing these other things or when I'm these other places. So I think the number one thing is is to be kind to ourselves and to recognize that we have the right to, to go about our day without facing harassment. And if it happens, it's not our fault. And that it's okay to be upset. It's okay to have to, you know, t take a moment, um, to do something that is comforting and safe or, you know, getting support from a friend or a family member. That's okay. It doesn't make you weak or like you can't take something that should, you know, not be that hard. It doesn't make you um, someone who overreacts. Like these are real this is a real issue. It has a real impact on us. Um, there's more and more studies now showing the emotional impact that it has. So get, get the support that you need. And then as far as like how to deal with it when it's actually happening, um, I mean, you are in a tough situation when street harassment happens because it usually happens without warning. Um, and you never know when it's going to happen, by whom, how far it might escalate. And so whatever response you have is the right response. You are dealing with something, um, like I said, that's tough. And you usually have a split second to decide how to respond. So whatever you choose to do, know that it's the right response. If you have time to sort of think about it, if you want to practice responses, um, research shows that sometimes having an assertive response will help you get through it more easily and maybe the most likely to help um, the harasser think twice in the future about their behavior. And so that sort of assertive behavior could uh, response could be as simple as telling them to stop, to back off. No, I'm not interested. Um, sort of that assertive verbal self-defense language. Um, 
using humor often can be very successful because it throws the harasser off. So it's the least likely to escalate because they, they're just too stunned to do anything further. And, you know, using humor can even just be asking them to repeat themselves, um, or, you know, being unexpected, asking them to repeat themselves, um, asking them, um, uh, well, for an example, um, one time there was a woman in France who was often harassed by these men on the street corner and she, you know, wasn't sure what to do, wasn't sure what to do. And then one day one of them reached out and grabbed her and she turned around and said to them, to, to him, congratulations, is that the first time you've ever touched a woman? And all of his friends laughed at him and none of them ever harassed her again. So um, I'm not someone who can really think fast on my feet, but if you are, like saying something humorous in that way can really turn the tables and let you have the upper hand in the situation. Um, but for me, my, my go-to response that I've learned to have is just don't harass me or don't harass women if I'm with other women. Um, and that's something that I personally have come to feel helps me get through it because I feel like I've stood up for myself or for other women. I've said, don't do it. I've identified it as harassment. And it's something that I can say quickly um, so I don't have to interrupt my day. But that's something that I had to learn to practice. And it was a choice that I made that I wanted to try to do that. And there are still times that I don't respond at all, though. I don't always say that. Um, so again, no matter how you choose to respond in the moment, that's the right response. You are the best um, person to know what you can do, what you're able to do. And you are the one in that situation. No one else is in your shoes. So you decide what you want to do. And then again, know that however you respond is right. It's not your fault. And it's okay to get support afterwards to help you through it. That's great. Thank yeah. you. Well, it's 1.30, so yeah, I feel like we should, um, <laughs> should let you go. But thank you so go. much for talking to us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me and for launching this podcast uh, episode during International Anti-Street Harassment Week. I appreciate it. To find out more about how you can get involved with Anti-Street Harassment Week and organizing to stop street harassment, go to stopstreetharassment.org. To learn more about Holly Curl's work, you can find her at hollycurl.com. Check out writetocampus.com forward slash resources for a list of helpful resources in Montreal for safety and public space. You can learn more about Women in Cities International at womenincities.org and find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also check out our blog, which will feature more content from the interview that didn't make it into the podcast. Thanks to Holly Curl for joining us. This podcast is produced and hosted by Hannah McCasland and Bethy Monsion. Music is by Cole Zweber. This podcast was recorded in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Montreal is located on Mohawk territory. This has been a Women in Cities International production. Thank you for tuning in to Small Talks and City Blocks. Check back on Wednesday to hear Catherine Travers, the director of Women in Cities International, and Aisha Vimuri, a researcher on rape culture, media, and artistic interventions against street harassment and gendered violence. 